So at the end of H2O, apparently Michael gets his head chopped off. But then uh-huh. we find out it's a paramedic who had a crushed voice box. Had a crushed voice box, larynx. And I'm wondering, since when does Michael take off his own mask without Jamie Lloyd being there? Mm. Well, Michael will do anything necessary to get the job done and to escape. He is a strategic person, so he crushed the dude's voice box on purpose so that he couldn't speak. He said, okay, they're about to be surrounded by cops. The only way out is to go incognito, put on the paramedic uniform, and then... But he's still walking around in the flashback. In this With movie. a knife. He's walking on the knife in his hand, looking suspicious. Like, Michael, stop looking all suspect, and then you walking off in the woods, it's like, someone's probably going to see that, man. Just get in a car and drive away. Why are you walking off into the wilderness? We see the paramedics... The mask pulled off, and the guy's like, oh! Like, he recognizes, the cop recognizes the paramedic, I guess. Well, here's the real question. What I took away from that was the cop got surprised that there was a head under that mask. Which makes no sense. Because <laughs> he's holding on to the neck anyway. So, random cop guy is taking the mask off, but they want to have that gotcha moment where the person's like, oh my god, I'm surprised. So, why is he like, oh my god? I guess he knows the person? Or he didn't know there was a head under there, or or he was expecting nothing under there. Well, listen, we, we talked about, we in the last episode, we talked about how, contractually speaking, Michael can't die because of Mustafa Akkad. So they had to come up with this makeshift ending to explain how H2O wasn't Michael and was someone else. And that's going to take us in the sequel. But I do have some questions. Michael's now going to disappear in the woods for three years. Yes. And Lori, off to the insane asylum. Yes. Explain this. Even to though she explained seen... to me how this makes sense, Nick. Um, so what had happened was, is she killed an innocent man, a father of three. Feels strongly guilty, and I get that. Feel, I, feel get, I get the guilty. guilty, but yep. insanity. So yeah. so much to where she, uh, I guess, kept screaming that Michael's still alive. Michael's still alive, and no one believes her, even though no nobody one... believes her. But they haven't found his body, yeah. so he's clearly out there. Yeah. What? What? That, or they're blaming everything on the paramedic. <laughs> No, Remember, but, the only person that survived was LL Cool J, and he's too busy writing his erotic thrillers. They open this movie with, um, I guess, the nurse here talking to the other nurse. Yep. And kind of bringing us up to speed, their version of the way to do a recap, pretty much. But nothing she explains makes me think that Lori should be in an insane asylum. She killed the wrong person, yes. Yeah, she's waiting for Michael to come back because they haven't found the body. And, and at first I was thinking maybe she's doing this because maybe she feels safer there. We see otherwise. If it's voluntary, it makes a little bit sense because in that security atmosphere you can really see michael coming probably and she does out the window was that too obvious or was that a figment of her, of her imagination or was that really michael that was really michael they wanted to do a nod to the first movie again it's just done poorly because it makes it seem like maybe she always sees him when she looks out the window yep he's finally came back from his safari in africa he read the news and said oh Lori's hair so let me go kill her now it's been three years yep I don't understand, but okay. Michael has a plan to break into a, I would think, like a highly secure place. Nope, because they even let out their patients. One, I'm assuming, is very dangerous, considering, in fact, he has an obsession over serial killers. Big coincidence. (laughs) Now, to be fair to Michael, in this timeline, he's already taken out that hospital in part two, so this is just old hat for him. He's like, "Ah, I took out the hospital back in 78. I can do this. Yeah, and it doesn't help that these two bumbling mumbo-jumbos Literally think that the hulking figure in the basement is Harold. Yes. I guess in the five seconds it took the security guard to walk from Harold's cell to the damn camera room, Harold bulked up, got taller, and somehow got a mask that was not originally his. Yes. I don't know if this is worse than the mistaken identity and Halloween kills, (laughs) but this is in the same wavelength where... Two supposedly qualified security guards are looking at cam footage and are not saying, oh, my God, and shoot her. They say, oh, Harold. Yes. Two different body types, by the way. And it even and it, they double down on it when he they, they see him again. And they go, Harold, what are you doing? He's clearly looking up. I'm like, dude, you're about the same height as Harold. Yep. Should be looking straight ahead, not up at a six foot five motherfucker. Yes. And they they rightfully so get killed pretty quickly in an uninspiring way, two quick, uninspiring deaths. At first, I was thinking to myself, how did he get the entire body in there? And then all of a sudden, you see the second security guard fall over the body. It's like, how did you not see that body? My question is, <laughs> Michael kills two security guards, and now apparently he has the entire hospital to himself. There's no, yes. there's no other staff. Right. He now can walk the halls freely with the Halloween music playing in the background. Yes. And knows exactly where Lori's room is. So yes. he makes a beeline towards that. Remember, they have psychic connection. 
thankfully, <laughs> I'm just happy Lori saw him out the window and has a whole plan set up for him. Because Michael the dummy is going to fall for the same thing he did in Halloween 2 where he's stabbing pillows. He really likes stabbing pillows. So the, the part that annoys me is we see Lori putting pills in her stuffed animal. I was expecting her to use those pills all, over something. Like knock Michael down, force his mouth open, and shove all those pills down. So don't make him overdose and die. That's a lot of work. But uh, yeah, we didn't get that. And I'm just like, what was the point of showing us she's stashing pills? I know why. It's to show the audience that, no, she's not crazy. And she's not taking this medication they're giving her. She's perfectly in sync in mind, and her not taking the pills is going to allow her to make intelligent decisions. Or, you know what else they could have done? What? Not giving her the fucking pills in the first fucking place. Well, she's in a, she's locked away in an insane asylum. That's what they if do. She is ca- if she's, she's, she's playing she's, catatonic. She's, she's in a mental health institution for three years. She's for playing three the, years. She's playing the long game. <laughs> You're telling me that... They think that giving her drugs to make her even more catatonic is going to help. We probably should have gotten a little bit more context on what has happened since she's been there. Has she played the crazy game by attacking a few people to make them want to seduce her? Or Well, a couple questions come to mind. Where's her son? Where's John Tate? Oh, I know exactly where he's at. And this is going to come through when we do our Nick's Theories episode. Ready? So he wants nothing to do with his crazy mom and his crazy uncle. Moved to Alaska to become a sheriff in a small town. He did look like he was sort of done with Lori in H2O, so I can see. <laughs> but at the same time, he knows she's not crazy because he fought Michael too. He saw Michael. And he wants nothing to do with either of them. He also saw his mom drive away with a supposed dead body at first. And then find out she chopped a man's head off with no issues. And he was probably like, well, what if that was me under that mask? Would she have killed me? I think we're really assassinating his character. She, he seemed like banana. he loved. He seemed like he loved his mom. I don't think he'd go that. Name far. one time <laughs> when she was going back to confront Michael, and he said, "No, mom, don't." I'm sorry. That knife wound in your leg didn't look all that painful to where I wouldn't have jumped out and been like, "If you're staying, I'm staying." Listen, he had to protect his girlfriend, and then his girlfriend could have driven away. His girlfriend has no reason to be there. Yeah, an adult son probably would actually. Which, by the way, stay. Uh, uh, but she, he, but with the one leg, he would have slowed her down. Which, so. by the way, I, I do want to mention, he ends up marrying that girl because, and then in they Alaska. get divorced. Yeah, in Alaska, and then they get divorced, and she's trying to leave. Uh, okay. All right. Again, we'll expand more when we get to thirty days a night for that one. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not showing up for that episode. I'm right now. Um, you didn't like thirty days a night. We'll see in in thirty years when we do the episode. So maybe it's because the rest of the movie is how what it is that I actually think this whole opening is. Probably the standout of the movie. It feels like a different movie from the rest of the movie, though. You think it's a standout? Because uh, I think it kind of kills the character of Lori by making her stupid. Well, the thing is, though, she participated in the killing of this because she wanted to come back to have her character killed off specifically. Well, because she didn't want to do this no more. She does not like horror movies. She has stated that multiple times. I, I think given the storyline we're going to get, I'd have been just... They could have just put in the story that Lori's in the mental health institution the insane sign whatever like a character could read that in the article and that could have been the end of her character mm-hmm. at I, least for that moment i think that even though that seems like a sour end for her this also feels like a very sour end and this feels like a big f you to h2o mm-hmm. big time but let's get to the chase scene michael chases her and i will say a couple things of note i do like michael's mask better his mask honestly looks the same to me the eye holes are still cut out you can still see his eyeballs. A little bit, but not as much. And the though. hair, especially in one scene, his hair looked like, well, me when I woke up. Or Albert Einstein hair. Did you notice when he's chasing her in the hall, his hair's all over the place, but then on the roof, it's, 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 it's like combed down? <laughs> Come on, man. It's like. Did you also notice that that mask seems to get more and more hair as the movies progress? I don't understand. At least walking-wise, this is not part two's robotic Michael. He does walk. With a little bit of urgency. A little bit, but it, I don't know why it looks weird. Uh, I think the actor played Michael did a pretty good job. I'm not going to diss him in this movie. With, with actions-wise, he did a pretty good job. With walking-wise, it looks weird. You think so? Yeah. I think he probably tried to mimic the H2O guy a little bit. Probably. It, it, obviously, this is a direct after H2O. So mm. I think it looks pretty similar to H2O, but it has a, I, I do think the mask is a little bit better. Um, well, the mask definitely looks better. <laughs> I don't know what they did with the H2O mask, but well, then which, again, it's also the eye expression of Michael throughout the whole movie. It's also saying like, which one? Cause H2O had like five, four or five different masks or something. So, um, all right, let's get to the roof because Lori has set up this, an elaborate plan to catch Michael 
She's going to make him knowingly that know that he's going to walk the opposite side of the roof. And then that she where she has a trap mm-hmm. where she presses a button mm-hmm. and the rope comes down and ties up his foot, mm-hmm. lifting him in the air, hanging him upside down. And now he's right there for the taking. All she has to do is cut this rope and the man will fall to a grisly death in which his neck will break in 55 different places. And this will be the end of Michael and we're the movie's over. And I love this ending for, for Flory Strode. Beautiful. Let's, let's, let's end the movie. Hold up. Um, that's what, not how what, that goes. What? what are you talking about? So, uh, she cuts the rope, right? So, so what ends up happening is, <laughs> even though this is the same guy that chased her with a knife already, uh, he ends up acting like he's trying to take the mask off, like he doesn't, like like he hears some screeching sound and he starts holding his head, starts trying to look like he's trying to take the mask Wait off. Wait a minute. I got a quick question on that, though. What's up? Michael's clearly doing this on purpose. Yes. But... The paramedic did that in H2O. Yes. When he was, the van was up against him. He's up against a tree. Yes. He starts grabbing his mask. Yes. So Michael's doing this on purpose. Yes. To, to show this. Yes. But that would mean that Michael was watching what happened in H2O to the paramedic. Even though he was all the way back at the school. Yes. Because this prank makes sense if Michael's like there watching and like making note like, oh, he grabbed his mask. Let me save that to trick Lori later on. Yes. But yeah, Michael's back at the school. They drove away. Michael couldn't have got there in time. Mm-hmm. What? It makes sense to the audience to be like, oh yeah, we remember that from H2O. But for Michael himself, this makes no sense that he knows to do this. Well, it also makes no sense for Lori to think that this would work because he was just chasing her with a knife. Oh yeah. She's like, I have to know for sure. Like, Regardless who it is, he came there to kill you. <laughs> he chased you with a fucking knife. Even though that's freaking Roy from Friday 13th Part 5, <laughs> he's clearly chased you to the roof with a knife. Drop his ass and then you can look later. If it's not Michael, you'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. Let me let you back up. Like, he's, he's, what? <laughs> he's, he's taking her to kill you, obviously. Like, this not to mention, it's horrible. I think we've established a couple of times, Lori should not know what he looks like. What? This is, my, again, mind-boggling to me. She didn't. She didn't see his face in H two O. She didn't see his face in the first movie, even though that would. She saw because when she saw his face for five seconds in the first movie in the dark. Twenty twenty three years ago in this timeline. Yes. So once I I have to make sure when she pulls that mask off, what is she expected to see? She's just like, oh, that's not Michael. Well, how would you know? <laughs> right. No, the only way for us to think that's not Michael is if he goes, wait, 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 I'm not Michael. It's like, uh, why'd you chase me with a knife? I don't care. Click. Okay, we we know this is terrible writing, but now this is the biggest thing. I have to make sure. Okay, so you just saw Michael conscious grabbing his face. Yes. Michael doing some very simple kindergarten tricks here suddenly plays dead. Yes. Just seizes all movement thinking, I'm going to take a long shot here. <laughs> I'm probably a dead man, but I'm going to try a little trick and see if it works. It's a long shot because Lori's smart, but maybe she'll reach out. And she does. Lori, you're reaching for his face yes. with his arms right there. Yes. What she should have done. Are Free you... and clear to grab you. What? What she should have done. Because we already saw, well, besides that, we already saw that she can throw knives. Yep. Throw the knife at his dick. Wow. Okay. Because if he starts screaming out in pain, okay, it's not Michael, but you still chase me with a knife, so goodbye. Uh, if he doesn't scream in pain and just holds it there, it's like, okay, you're Michael because you're not even speaking. You're not even screaming. Why not just say, hey, if you're not Michael, identify yourself. And just see if Michael is smart enough to actually be like, hey, I'm Jeremy from Idaho. I'm not Michael. <laughs> like, there's a lot of ways you can approach this. Or if you want to be super careful, go back in. He's hanging there. He's not going to get off there, I don't think. Go back and get the police or someone and bring him back. Like, the worst. Like, there's several different scenarios you can go here. Well, the police are dead at this point. The two security guards. I mean, call the real place. Well, I mean, okay, the biggest thing is no matter what, this dude can't... This this is all self-defense at this point because the dude came to kill you with a knife. Yes. He chased you. Yes. So, Lori, and the most predictable thing ever, reaches for the mask and Michael grabs her. And then the, the little bit of rope that she cut finally snaps and somehow Michael had the knife in his hand and shoved it in her back. And the way they made it look like it was the knife was 100% in his hand, not just like he has the blade in his hand. No, his hand was on the handle. I'm just like, how'd you get that in your hand like that? Now, apparently the creators of the film 
producers didn't they they really wanted to they told Lori or they told Jeffrey Curse like hey let us film this in a way where we don't actually know if you're dead like let us make this I like I know you want to die but let's keep a a mystery just in case for future sequels Mm -hmm. which makes sense because what happens to her isn't necessarily something that would kill you per se she could easily still be alive she gets stabbed and then she falls backwards but it's not that high off the ground nope and the trees would have blocked her fall the only reason it would have been so bad for Michael is because he was hanging upside down so you could theorize he would have landed directly on his neck. Right. But she's probably going to have a broken back, but the idea that she's instantly dead when she hits the ground, I don't know. But Jamie Lee Curtis was very adamant about, like, no. I must be dead. You know what they actually wanted to do? They wanted to have her be kind of alive here and then come back at the end to help out at the house. Mm. And they really, like, as they were filming it, they were pitching these ideas to her, like, hey, since you're here filming, like, you know, we can throw you in the ending. And, like, she's like, no, I want this to be the end. Because originally she was only contracted to be there for uh, 30 seconds of film time. <laughs> that was in the contract. She got a to... little bit longer than that. Once she once she read the script and all that, she was like, she wanted to do, like, a proper death scene. I don't know why she didn't read the script and be like, wait, this makes Lori like a freaking idiot. Yeah. One, she of the smart, really... one of the smartest horror herons of all time gets killed probably in the dumbest way possible. I wouldn't say she's the smartest, but that's because we've already discussed that. Uh. Let's talk a moment about Michael approaching Harold the knife. Is, yeah. Is, is he framing him or passing, framing. passing the torch to him? Framing. You think it's like conscious, like I'm giving you the knife, not so you can carry on, but so when the police come, they think that you killed. Exactly. And that well, that is what happens. And considering the fact that, again, he is so obsessed with serial killers... Once he real, if he found out Laurie Strode was in there, it's like, oh yay, I can now imitate her famous killer. It he must have known that he was in at that point. I mean, and he started mentioning who Michael was and went through his whole timeline, which was wrong because <laughs> he said three people got killed in '78, which he's forgetting about the the guy that Michael got his clothes from in the, um, in the field. To be fair, I don't think anyone found that body. No, they did because in the new timeline, they specifically corrected and say four dead bodies from back then. Oh, okay. But, um, so, and then the kicker was when he mentioned part two's kill count. What was it? Three paramedics and two, and no, three par- three paramedic, three nurses and one paramedic. And I'm just like, you know, a lot more people died than that, right? You know what's really bad about that? <laughs> the director of this movie is Rick Rosenthal, who directed part two. It's the same director from R2. Three nurses and one paramedic the same night as, like, the security guard, the cook, the doctor. I don't want to be too hard on Rick, but how'd you make a better movie 20 years previously? You should have, like, grown, became way better at your craft over time. I guess some directors peak early, but I think his work was much better in part two. Well, But he also had John Carpenter overseeing things in part two. Yeah, but then there's also the fact that he wasn't the writer. He was just directing. That's true. But he, I mean, some of this stuff, it just makes no sense. All right, Michael is walking away. Is he actually, in his mind, like, well, I'm retired now. I'm going to go home and chill. Yes, because that's, that's what he does. that's pretty much the story now. It's like, his, even if this is like the Thorn storyline, it's over. Even though, theoretically, in this timeline, he should be looking for John Tate. His work shouldn't be done until he kills Laurie Schultz's son. Yeah, but that's because he doesn't want to... Travel, walk all the way to fucking Alaska. How's he going to get that big ass knife through customs when going through the airport? He said, "You know, forget it. I'm old. I don't have a pension plan. I'm gonna go back to my house and go back to eating rats." Yeah, pretty much. So now we get to finally meet our main character of Sarah. Sarah, who's in college, who... with her friend Jen and Rudy, and they want to be TV. They want to be reality show celebrities. The real question I got is, why does Rudy only talk about food? It's one of those things where they're doing a thing where they give each character one specific trait and then beat you over the head with it. It's lazy characterization. Yeah, because Rudy is straight cooking, which can be fun in certain scenes, but, you know... It... But, but it makes no sense. Why is he so interested in doing this uh, reality show thing if he's so much yeah, into cooking? If he, if he wanted to get internet famous as a cook, that is actually easy. All he has to do is film himself cooking. I mean, look, one thing, one positive I'll say about this movie is that it's a little bit ahead of its time because this is 2002 and 
this is before pretty much like this is before YouTube. This is before social media. So the internet fame thing is pretty. It's pretty. The ideas are pretty spot on for 2002 about projecting what it would be like years later. Like this is like at the beginning of the reality show phase thing. That, yeah, and you want to know whose uh, whose idea this all was? Busta Rhymes. Yeah, but but let me just comment on the friendship group between Rudy, Jen, and Sarah. I don't know why they're friends. <laughs> they have all three different personalities. You don't know why anyone's friends. I mean, me and you have different personalities. No, I know that. But in a movie, you should establish, like, I don't... I, I always call it on the Friday 30 movies where you have this group of friends come to the lake together, and they all, like, hate each other. <laughs> it's like... I well, don't know. Part seven, they really did hate each other. Yeah, just <laughs> they were just there for one guy. Generally, you choose to hang out with people you want to hang out with. So, um, at least with part four, you can see where they're friends, but you can see where the outcasts of the friends are because there's always the outcasts in the friend group. Outcasts is fine, but they should like, like Sarah seems like more just what they're describing. They're showing is more introspective, introverted. And then I guess those you people always, always have their one party type friend, which is probably that's a, you always need an extrovert with your introvert. And they're probably roommates for all we know. Well, they convince her to go on this uh, adventure with danger which is the name of Busta Rhymes, who was playing Freddie Harris. Yep. I, I think Rudy probably has a crush on one of them, but just it hasn't came out early impressions of the three. I like Rudy. He Rudy, seems like a cool dude. I just wish they would have let him have more dialogue than just cooking. It's like, they walk into the house, and his first thing, reaction about the house is, I bet they have a nice-ass kitchen. Which nobody at his age would be that obsessed. <laughs> the, uh, it's I, one story when you're actually in a kitchen that you that's going to help you with your career. But in that place, it's like, at this point, from what I understand, they're there just to make money. What's weird, too, is like that actor, right before the season of the movie called uh, Save the Last Dance, which is Julia Stiles. It's like actually a pretty big teen movie at the time. He's a good actor. Like he, he was actually like a really good actor. He could have done way more. I don't even know why he took this role. Like it's such a thankless role. Like the actor could have done a lot more. Because um, he probably read the script and said, "Oh, if I play take this role, I get to fight Michael and actually have him back up a little before he kills me. I'll take it." I think I think you're thinking of Busta Rhymes' role. So, anyways, they meet up with. Oh, with don't forget, we also get to meet Nora. Oh yeah, we had Nora played by Tyra Banks. Mm-hmm. Freddie no Harris played by Busta Rhymes. This role. <laughs> She has nothing to do with it but to be a sex object. Well, we meet this whole this whole group of let's call them opportunists who all want to be famous. Mm-hmm. We meet the, meet this cast basically as they're interviewed, giving just boring answers, which is driving so, Freddie Harris crazy. To be fair, actually, in my opinion, so I, I already tell what everyone is there to be. Bill is just there because he wants to get in some woman's pants. And by the way, it's the guy from the American Pie movies. <laughs> that so makes some sense. It's, it was cast properly. <laughs> then um, you got yeah. Donna, and that's because she, I guess she wants to intellectual prove, type. She she wants to prove that uh, she can figure out a murder mystery with zero to little clues better than any man can. I I don't know. Okay. Because she literally uses so many big words. I'm like, you have to be showing off. Well, I said she's a pseudo-intellectual. Yeah. Then you got, what's the name? Uh, Jim, Jeb, Jib, Jim. 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 Then you got Jim, who I feel like he's just there to be there. He reminded me of you a little bit, honestly. Oh, go fuck yourself. He, he looks like you, but he talks I like you. I would also. not have just stood there and let Michael crush my head. I uh, at least would have punched him. He strikes me as something he has nothing better to do. He's just there out of curiosity. <laughs> but he's giving these, like, Michael's a great white shark, this this fun speech, I <laughs> guess, which is making bus rhymes to be like, why did I choose these people? <laughs> He's regretting it until he hears Sarah. Sarah scream. This might be um, art imitating reality, where in the movie, like Busta Rhymes is high on her because she can scream like that. Mm-hmm. But then in real life, her being in this Halloween movie might have been because she's that good of a screamer. But it still makes, in my opinion, no sense. At least in that context, she wouldn't scream like that just from a lamp falling behind her. Maybe a squeak. Yeah. But not like a full blown. <sighs> At least they, uh, for her purpose, they do include a little tidbit about there being a scholarship involved if you do this. Because otherwise, I, I couldn't buy her doing this, but she wants to get the scholarship. So I get that. I don't think the rest of them care about that. Honestly, percent. I can't. I don't even. I wouldn't even see her doing that for her, just her, that. But her friends also are. Pretty much have, forced her in order have to Have talked it. her into it. Yeah, um, well, we finally get. First, I guess before we get to the house, we get a death scene. 
Well, yes, because they're setting up shop at Michael's house. Yes. And this Nor- camera guy, and Nora's... Uh, Making coffee. And... Ignoring the cameras. Dancing her ass off. Well, ha- having a good time. She, because she's Tyra Banks. She's living her best life. Um, but this camera guy gets killed in the most anticlimactic. <laughs> like, he refuses to talk. <laughs> right. He doesn't scream or anything. He's just like... Look, oh. Nora! Why <laughs> don't you just be like, at least be like, hey, who are you? Or something. Yeah. He's just like in silence to service the story. <laughs> well, yeah, because if he started screaming for Nora, she would have turned around and went, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, Freddie, we can't do this. Why? Charlie dead. Yeah, I mean, Mike, <laughs> Michael's smart, but he's not used to like cameras being everywhere. All this stuff is going to be caught on film. Now, one thing that's interesting, again, I'm not blaming the director, but... There's apparently a deleted scene where, because there's a, I guess, an idea of how did Michael get from mental institution back to his house in Haddonfield. There's a deleted scene where there's a couple, I guess, on a highway who are pulled over and Michael kills them and takes their red car. That scene was taken out, but we still have remnants of it because at the costume store mm-hmm. across the street, you see the red car parked. Which also makes me think Michael is gunning for Sarah. So she does a thing, which they always do, where they think they see Michael and they turn around and he's not there. And she screams again. But it actually was Michael because his car is there. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then it comes up again when they first come to the house. You see the red car being towed away. Mm-hmm. So Michael's clearly there. The biggest thing, though, is when Sarah's walking into the house, she sees Michael in the window looking at her. <laughs> Like, it's clear as day. She, she sees him, and he looks back at her. Yep. So it makes me think that Michael's now gunning for her. I guess because she's the most innocent. I'd... I don't think he's gunning for anybody. I think he's literally just... Darren Caesar. He's in the he's in the right, though. This is trespassing. <laughs> this is his house. Not anymore. His name ain't on the lease. Regardless, he just wants to go in the basement, eat some rats. Yes. Walk through his tunnels back and forth to get some daily exercise. Mm-hmm. And not bother anybody. He's done. He's retired. And here comes some people to bother him. So... Uh, I wasn't going to mention any of this one little subplot, but I'm going to just because of the actor. There's an actor in here. Have you ever watched any Disney Channel original movies? Absolutely not. Like the movie Smart House? Nope. Okay. Well, this is going to be I slightly was, more. Annoying. I was smart to avoid that. I'm well, okay. Have you seen Final Destination 3? Oh, yeah. So the main male lead in that movie and the male lead for Smart House. Is that this guy? Is Miles. Oh, he looks different in Final Destination Part 3. He bulked up or something. <laughs> he bulked up a little bit. He got older. And then, and I was wondering where I recognized him from. I was like, why does it, why do I recognize, I looked it up. I was like, okay, Final Destination 3. Okay, he's the one who got the fireworks in the face. He survived up until the end. Yeah. And then I was like, and then I dug a little further. I was like, oh, so this guy can handle death. This guy can handle a... Electronic House, that if it was a horror movie, would probably be one of the best horror movies out made in the time frame of 1998. But uh, he doesn't want to go and try and save this girl he apparently likes from a physical serial killer. Gotcha. So this plot line, strictly a plot thing, a plot contrivance to have somebody on the outside be able to text Sarah on the inside when Mike was in the house. Right. However... I, I don't know why it, it doesn't it's, work for me. This plot, because you know why? Because there's no payoff. It doesn't <laughs> go anywhere. It's not like they ever actually meet. If, maybe if they met around the end, that would be fine. We don't know enough to know why she trusts this guy so much. She's talking to him every day. They've never met in person. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, as the movie goes on, his subplot about him being at a party and being like in this room at the party, just paying attention to this. And then as other people come in, they all join in watching. <laughs> First of all, that just seems unrealistic. Mm-mm. A party is a music, dancing, all this stuff. They're not going to be sequestered in a room not watching the, a live stream. At least not until the killings actually start. When the yeah. killings start, then that's one story because now they're all like, oh, shit. <laughs> but also, it just feels cheap. It feels like a, a, a different movie going on with that thing. And it feels like whenever that they cut to that, I feel like I'm watching a CW TV show. <laughs> like, I don't feel like I'm watching a Halloween movie anymore. That It kills the whole vibe of the movie. But the biggest thing is no, there's no payoff. Yeah, if you if the girl you like is in danger that degree, you're just gonna keep sitting at the party well, with your live stream. I know you're thinking you're being helpful, but 
you should be sending all your friends at least to the police station or something. You have like 50 people gathered mm. there. Like, nobody's taking it serious, but you, he sees all Michael over and over again. Which, uh, nitpick Nick here now is going to interrupt your viewing pleasure with a nitpick. Again, I just want to mention this now so I don't have to mention it later throughout this whole fucking party scene. It's annoying. But there was a complete continuity error. So in an earlier scene, the guy in red was in the room when the scream happens and tells him to turn it down. Mm-hmm. Very next time we see them, he's walking in and goes, oh, is this that Michael Myers house thing? Mm. I'm like, did editing not catch that? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give the benefit of the doubt, but I'm seeing a lot of mistakes here. <laughs> they didn't catch a fucking timeline error? Or did this guy just somehow get into the whatever the Mandalorian and somehow go backwards in time? Whatever that damn phone booth and Doctor Who is called. What problem I have with the movie is that you dispatched these, like, six characters in the house to go explore. Yes. I know there's a basement level, but the main level in the upstairs, it seems like a very small house. It is. It'd be better served to have this going on in, like, a a bigger area. It feels like the house is small enough that you would hear everybody's conversation in the house. You would hear footsteps from downstairs. Mm-hmm. So this whole time, Michael is, like, just making his way through the house and stuff with six characters spread out. Yep. It just so feels too small of a space for this to work. I feel like this the setting would have worked if they went with more suspense with like the first movie and just have a very very small cast and like follow just two characters throughout throughout the house. Then it kind of makes more sense. They're more spread apart. Yeah, when you kill off characters in this situation where everybody's kind of congested together in a very small space. And like I said, you could probably hear everything. It just seems unrealistic for Michael to do it and then keep maneuvering around. And then you also, at one point, you also have Freddy in the same area going around with the mask on also. It's just like, huh? So, How is this possible? So here's the first thing that makes no sense. Bill's death. <laughs> oh, God. Him and Jen are upstairs. Yes. So you think hearing that mirror shatter, which... Okay, I got something to... I got a grievance with this house. This house apparently has secret hallways inside the house, and that's not explored because Michael apparently somehow goes through certain areas like he's teleporting. Well, I I was say, we'll get to Michael having an entire Batman underground tunnel. Well, underground's one story, but I'm talking about throughout the whole house, including the second floor. Like, how the fuck did he break through the damn mirror when when the mirror was right up against a wall? Well, okay... There's a couple things. We have to establish a couple things real quick. <laughs> this house obviously has been abandoned for a long time. Freddy has come in state. We're going to find out he's come in state. He's he staged everything, all these booby traps and mm-hmm. things to make it seem like whatever, to make it more entertaining for the audience. Michael himself. We know in H2O he had been missing for 20 years. Yes. Was he at the house the entire time or is this his first time coming back home in like 23 years? Or can we infer that the whole time he's been hiding at this house in the underground lair? And so that's why he knows his way around and all the trap doors and stuff. Because if it's his first time back, then he shouldn't know what Freddy's staged and all this stuff and all that. But maybe we can infer that Michael for the entire 20 years was at his house. I feel like he was he would have to be at his house. Where else would he have been? In Africa. Okay. What is with you in Africa? He's traveling the world. That's all I'm saying. Okay, that makes sense then. But the actual death itself. Yes. Bill, again, Michael breaks through the mirror that was right up against the wall. Uh, Maybe I didn't pay too much attention to the layout of the house. Maybe on the other side of that wall was another room he was standing in. But you'd think that would make a lot of noise. Well, Jen, we know, was upstairs in the other room. (laughs) Right. The one big mistake they make here is when, when Bill's getting stabbed, He's screaming at the top of his lung, lungs. Yes. He's screaming as loud as possible for help. Yes. In a very small house, Jen was just upstairs in the room playing the prank. We know the other characters just went downstairs. Mm-hmm. So you have the mirror, the, the glass breaking, and then him screaming as he stabbed multiple times. Yes. Okay, again, bad so, writing. Bad writing. This, this, thing, this plot's going to work if Michael's killing people in secretive silence. So for Jen, anyway, I feel like the only reason she wouldn't have thought she would have thought that that was more of a prank because of what because he did just try to sexually harass her by making her flash the camera. Although that's true, 
everyone else would be different. But not like that. But she's been hanging out with Bill the entire time. How much time goes by before she's like, wait, I haven't seen Bill in a long time. Where's he at? Well, we've already established timing sucks. Because even the very first scene where with Harold, they all we see at one, one scene, cop's like, okay, Harold, let me get you back to the room. Very next scene, he's in the camera room. He's like, I thought you took Harold back to his room. He's like, excuse me, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, my thing is like, Clearly, they've broken into little mini groups. You have uh, Jim is with um, Donna. Yep, they're going after their own thing. Yep, they're they're currently trying to make a porno. Rudy is hanging out with Sarah. Yep, they're talking about the kitchen. And Jen, Jen was hanging out with Bill. So my thing is like, is Jen really having fun when she's by herself though and exploring, and she's comfortable doing that? She's not even exploring. She's just playing in the fucking mirror. True. I would say she's specifically one of the most annoying characters I've seen she's, since Tina from Part Five. <laughs> she's literally just playing with herself, in a sense, in the mirror, with a dead woman's comb, allegedly. Well, should we get? To, I guess Donna's death is the next thing we see. Donna's death. Uh, so I guess first we get something that I guess was supposed to be kind of comedy is the she's about to have sex with Jim. The wall breaks in, a bunch of fake bodies come out, and she's sitting there screaming, "It's all of his victims!" It's all of his victims. And I'm like, lady. It's supposed to be funny is the keyword. Supposed, supposed to be. And I'm just like, lady, do you not remember the lore of this character? She don't know the lore of this character? <laughs> no, I don't think any of these characters do. <laughs> maybe one, maybe maybe a few of them do, but I don't think so. Which is funny because they were just talking about why do you think Michael Myers is evil? Yeah, I don't think they. So you think they on. would know the lore of they found all of his bodies up to this point? So why would you think that that's all? What do you do? Go up, dig, dig the bodies out, put it in the wall. The thing that would make me not, if I was them, the thing that would make me not agree to do this is that in the lore is the idea that his body's never been found. He's still out there. Mm-hmm. So you're going to his house, but it's not like he's a ghost or a dead person, like. Again, the events of H2O, to my knowledge, are known as Michael coming back and killing people, right? Yes. They don't think the paramedic was a copycat killer, I don't think. Nope. So why are they so confident three years later that he just killed people three years ago? Why are they just like, oh, this is like a, a 19... They're acting like this is a 1930s ghost story. It's like, it's a real guy that just killed people three years ago. <laughs> We're in his house. Like, wouldn't you be a little bit worried? Yeah, well, so Donna dies because she starts. she finds a secret underground passage and Michael impales her. Well, Michael is Batman because he apparently... Well, I thought Michael was Jesus. We hardly knew you, Donna. We hardly knew you. All right, let's address the elephant in the room. Gen decapitation? That's the, the lost head in the room. There's something before that that probably oh. will live in infamy forever. And it's the first <laughs> sign that things are a little bit off here because up until this point, I do think that Michael himself is one of the more badass Michaels. But... Until this thing. He's going to... F- We're going to see Michael walking through the living room... Although he's walking kind of weird for Michael. Then we see another Michael walking behind him. Walking the exact same way. And then we get... I'm going to guess this scene was supposed to be comedic relief. We see Freddy turn around in the Michael mask and start berating the real Michael behind him. (laughs) I guess thinking he thinks he's the camera guy. Yeah, he thinks he's Charlie. Okay. Now, I've thought about this a lot. Trying to figure out... Why Michael doesn't just kill Freddy here? Why would he want to kill himself? Well, it's himself, but he can hear a voice basically cussing him out and <laughs> calling him an idiot. <laughs> Telling him, go to the back of the room. Now, no, there, there's some theories online. Maybe it's that Freddy is like, go see Nora. And that makes Michael think, oh, I forgot to kill her. <laughs> so he turns around and walks back in Nora's direction where he actually is going to kill her. Poor Nora. This scene could work, but there's one thing that doesn't work, and it's the beginning of the disrespect, and that's <laughs> Freddy tapping on Michael's head. When he's tapping on his mask, and Michael's sitting there with a knife in his hand and doesn't react, that's when I'm like, ooh, this is not a good... This is... That should have been when Michael just stabs him and guts him. You can have comedy in the movie, but you can't make Michael involved in the comedy. He has to remain a threat. He has to remain scary. He can't become a buffoon. And when Freddy taps on his head like that, and he and, and Michael follows his orders and turns and walks away, yes, I'm kind of like, this is the lowest moment until Corey beats his ass in Halloween ends. <laughs> Corey beats his ass in Halloween ends. That's the new number one disrespect Michael moment. But for 
20 years, it was this scene. Mm. Now we can get to Jen's death, who really so, made me smile. So I guess before we get there, we have to show that uh, even though Busta Rhymes can apparently bust a move on Michael later in this movie, he gets taken down by a fake rubber hand. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Because Jim knocks him down with a hand. He goes, dude, what the fuck? Why are you oh. beating me up with my own prop? Okay, again, this whole thing is going to get into, some, again, what I saw earlier about the smaller house. So you have all the characters there. They've figured out now that this whole thing is a charade. Freddy's like, who cares? We're going to make money. You're going to be famous. Just shut up and go along with it. And they're like, no, we're going to leave. And, and, and Freddy's like, well, I'm going to go scare some other people. Freddy goes in the room next door. Right. And now he's going to disappear for the next 20 minutes. Yep. Which, again, with everything going on, this makes no sense. Like, where the hell is Busta Rhymes for the next 20 minutes? He's on. He didn't go down the basement. He's, he just went to the kitchen. And what's even worse is when all the characters are like, we're going to leave. They call for Jen. Jen comes out. And then, all of a sudden, Michael appears in front of Jen. And they're all like, stop it, Freddy. It's like, uh. There's only one way to get upstairs. <laughs> you just saw Freddy go to the kitchen. He did <laughs> Did he tra- transportation himself upstairs? Well, apparently Michael had to have. Michael was in the basement last we saw. Oh, my goodness, you're right. Maybe well, the- actually, no. Michael was in the basement, went up, confronted, com- got confronted by Freddy, then went out to the back room, back room, killed Nora, and then somehow made it up those stairs without anyone realizing. Yeah, when he's walking upstairs, nobody sees him, and he somehow... And, and then, he came out the same room Jen was just in. And by the way, this whole last 45 minutes, Jen's been upstairs in a room by herself. Playing with her hair. Playing with her hair. She is blonde. Well, she deserves to die. <laughs> but yeah, She does. But is it lazy when they do like the, you have a knife in your hand and you're actually going to decapitate someone? Yes. Because explain to me how a knife is able to decapitate someone, especially a knife that's probably dull as shit at this point. This seems like maybe... Jason at his most zombie strongest could do it. <laughs> but this is this is human Michael. This is like H2O part one two Michael. You gotta put some some real shoulder into that to get that clean that nice clean swipe off that he does here. Yeah. I feel like it would have been a little better if maybe it took him multiple swings to cut her head off. Or he just grabbed her by the head and slowly sawed away. I don't know how the general audience feels about Jen, but I cheered when her head was, when her hair, head's rolling down the stairs. I'm like, whew, I did not like her. Character. Or the fact that all the characters just stood there and watched it and like, y'all ain't going to turn around and run. I would have thought that Rudy and Sarah would have had more of interaction. Since they it's, didn't. It's their best friend. But this is kind of like a weird five minute thing that happens now where they're going to be like, let's kill off a lot of characters in the next five minutes. Yeah. I don't like it because the characters that I like are about to both die in the next five minutes. Well, you and like they, Jim? I, I kind of, by the end, was like, uh, Jim seems pretty cool. Well, he didn't do a damn thing except for beat up Buster Rhymes with a fake hand. Yeah, but they were all they were all on the same page of let's get out of here. It's just that they don't actually leave, which not leaving the house is going to be a big problem for me in the next whole climax, pretty much. Especially but, since we don't know if the front door was ever locked or not. I don't think it is. We find out the back, uh, the kitchen door was locked, but... uh, Yeah, and I understand that. The, the real annoyance for me is Michael tends to not do anything without that knife. Yep. And yet for Jim's death, I don't know, maybe Jim pissed him off so much that when Michael looked like he was about to swing, he just shoves it, He's honestly, him. right next to a light socket. He probably should have been shocked right there. He stabs the wall, which I guess the director or the writer thinking, oh, this is a badass moment. But it just seems, again, stupid. It's like, Especially since Jim just sat there and let it happen. Jim has a good 15 seconds here to simply get out of arm's reach of Michael. But he stays close enough to him to then have his face grabbed. And I can only think have his entire brain mushed in or something. Yes. But for me, what I would have done as the badass I am. The minute Michael and shoved the you, knife... You look like Jim, so this is very easy for me to imagine this happening. <laughs> so when the knife went into the wall, I would have tackled Michael, beaten the living hell out of him with my fist, gotten up, got ran out the front door and said, see ya, bitches. <laughs> I, I think in one of your crazy theories that could happen. Here's what I see happening. <laughs> I, see, I see you diving for Michael, right? But you dive so slowly... That by the time you reach him, he's already taken the knife back out the wall, <laughs> and you, you you dive headfirst into his knife, which then penetrates into your brain. 
No, <laughs> that wouldn't happen. I'm I'm as fast as a speeding bullet. Okay, let's talk about. Sarah's gonna run up the stairs. Right. Michael follows her. Mm-hmm. Now, <sighs> Rudy instead of Rudy, which by the way, Michael has been paying no attention to Rudy, is going straight for Sarah up the stairs. Rudy pretty much is home free. Michael's going up the stairs. Right. Rudy's right in front of the front door. Yes. I don't see. Rudy's like, hey, Michael, get his, gets his attention. Like, uh, is it worth your life to sacrifice it for, for Sarah? Uh, so your thought process on maybe he likes Sarah could be the reason why he does this? Yeah, but the human survival instinct, because as we're going to see, he's doing something for Sarah that she wouldn't do for him. Her on this side and, and, and um, him on this side, they could have played a quick mind game with Michael where he walks in this direction they go back and forth calling them pretty much. Just kind of play some kind of game with them real quick. And eventually Michael would have just gotten tired of it and went after one. But she's going to go up the stairs and very quickly barricade herself in the room. Yes. And give no second thought to Rudy ever again. Yes. So Rudy in this moment's like... So Sarah's a bitch. We've established this. I just think he's like, they're not on equal grounds. Him sacrificing himself here is silly because when Michael starts chasing him, he backs to the kitchen. Clearly, he, he, at this point, he has no plan. He just has Michael in front of him. And now he's like scrambling, scrambling to find... Weapons and then now, lucky for him, he knows his way around the kitchen, so he's able to do some quick stuff. So, he, uh, he hits him with a little roller thing for the roller. Then he throws what I can assume is cinnamon in his face. And someone's wearing a mask, though. I don't know how effective that is for well, a guy wearing a the mask. The mask has no eye sockets, so his eyes are straight there. Yeah. So if it gets in his eyes, it's in his eyes, and cinnamon burns. The way they filmed it looked like the cinnamon. Went in front of his face, but not actually into his face. Well, that's because if it went into his face in real time, they would have to stop filming to get his eyes washed. It should have went to his face and then he backs out of it. But it looks like it looked like it stopped like a short, like a feet short. So it doesn't look like it actually went to his eyes. Yeah, but we still get the action of Michael going, "God damn it!" <laughs> Which, hey, Rudy, these are good temporary fixes, but this is not going to stop him from coming after. That's you. why he grabs two steak knives. This is good, Rudy. He's got the knives. He, he's uh, he's actually fending Michael off with the knives because. Hey, Michael, for his superhuman whatever, he doesn't want to get cut. Right. <laughs> Nobody wants to cut. But then he runs uh, for a door when it's to nowhere. When specifically the camera takes great pains to give a wide shot where we see a complete open doorway behind him. Yes. Rudy's standing in front of an open doorway to another room. Yes. He has a head start on Michael. He's coming faster than Michael. Yes. But he's going to trap himself in a door that's locked. Yes. Are they trying to make the characters as stupid as possible? Is that what they're doing? Well, if they weren't, then Michael wouldn't have been able to kill them. Michael's not exactly smart in this movie. Yeah, but okay. <laughs> not compared to the first movie. Oh, by the way, this whole time, where the hell is Freddy at? Again, he's wandering around the house with the mask on. He's not hearing all this commotion nope. because everybody's like yelling and being loud and clearly something's going on at this point. Yep. When Jim's face is getting crushed, he's like, ah! Yep. All right, poor Rudy, though. I mean,. For his sacrifice, for being a good friend, what does he get? Stabs him with two knives and pales him. Not one knife, not two knife, but a third knife. It's one of the most vicious deaths I've ever seen. And then he makes him a, he makes him a door decoration and, and goes on. So let's listen to uh, the community. Before you be a good friend and sacrifice yourself, just really think about what's probably going to happen if you do. Or at least maybe when you get his attention, run out the front door because that was also behind him. Oh, he had many ways to just get out of the house, pretty much. <laughs> At least get, keep Michael's attention long enough for her to get out the house, also. Speaking of that, now we're going to have Michael chase her, and then at one point, she's on the roof. Yes. Why is she not just, like... Jumping off? Like, leaving the house now? You're on the roof. You can probably... And Michael's in the window. Yep. And this is not, like, Michael, who's, like, super fast. You can walk around the roof and find a way to get down, I'm sure. Even if you break a leg, it's better than going... She makes a po- She makes an effort to actually go back in the house. Yep. Which we might also... This is a problem with like a, a, a trapped in the house movie. It's like, if you are, you've, you can, there's exits in the house. You, you got to the roof, like you can leave the house. So this is also where we finally see Freddie again. He grabs her, keeps her quiet and I, goes... I'm convinced Freddie went and got some food. <laughs> he's not been in the house the last half an hour. All this stuff going on, he's not been wandering around and be like, I'm trying to... He said he was going to scare some people. Wouldn't he at some point be like, well, where's everybody at? Well, the <laughs> fact that everybody was already in that room. <laughs> Literally, there was only, what, maybe three people not there and they're all dead already? He said, I'm going to go scare some more mofos as if there's 18 people in the house. <laughs> hey, Freddie, four of like the six people are right there in front of you almost. And then uh, and he goes, everybody's 
Dan. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm so glad you thanks did not the, continue acting, my guy. <laughs> thank, thanks for the update, Freddie. I mean, you <laughs> down the street getting some fast food, coming back, eating eating some food, and be like, hey, uh, what's going on here? Eating you, some food. Let's talk about the second elf in the room. Almost every movie we we talk about. Yes. Your complaint is always, hey, I wish there was a fight scene at the end. I would like to see this person fight this person. Yes, because so, I like fights. So the Make of Resurrection were like, hey, you know what? Personally speaking, I think the purpose here is to entertain Nick Arcana. So instead of being the fight, the end being a uh, woman runs away from killer, big chase scene, let's have a fight scene. Let's have Freddie Harris use his karate skills to take out one Michael Myers. And let's see who is... The King of the Myers House. So, so I think you're just watching like, you're like, this is the best thing ever. We're going to see some a fight scene here. I so didn't expect this. What they should have done is gotten Jet Li in this movie to be Freddie Harris. And that way, when this fight scene happens, it's not completely out of fucking nowhere. Well, Jet Li would have made quick work with this movie. <laughs> seeing, seeing, what, seeing what Freddie did, I, I think that... So and also I'm just curious. This man can pick up a bigger man, throw him all the way across two rooms, and he gets put down by one kick to the face. So here's my theory, and it's based on this entire ending. I think Michael is confused by Freddie. Because Freddie, when he sees him, first of all, unlike most of Michael's victims that he approaches. Freddy's showing zero intimidation, zero fear. And also on top of that, he's making weird cry noises. Yes. I think Michael is confused. And in the 10 second period where he's confused, Freddy actually does like fight moves. And Michael is just like, what is going on? I'm like, I was just here and now I'm flying out the window. I don't know what's going on. He's just confused. He just doesn't, he doesn't know what to make of it. Well, now he can make of that wire around his neck. And by the way, back to that subplot. The only thing you need to know about the subplot is Miles is constantly texting he's in the house he's in the room oh oh but boy actually though at one point he actually says don't scream and she, she screams. screams like what what was so scary with don't scream that's actually like insulting to like <laughs> again at, at that more at that po- moment if i was miles i'd be like i can find another girl <laughs> it's like I, I, she can't even follow basic directions I, mean, my God. <laughs> I told her not to scream and she screamed it's like i can find a better girl than that I, I just think everybody at the party at this point would be taking some action. Everybody's think? just riveted because I guess they're all thinking this is still fake. But they've seen on camera people die. Like they, right. they saw Rudy die like on camera. So you're ready to see another egregious thing. Let's talk about the third elephant in the room after Nora was killed. Actually, the this is the third elephant in the room. How does this small woman have that much blood in her? <laughs> Especially since it looks like her death wasn't even all that brutal to begin with. She wasn't gutted open. She was just stabbed and hung. And Michael's not like a gut you open type of person. No. so He's usually just satisfied with stabbing so you. Where the fuck did all this blood come from? Did the kids from Carrie want to play a joke on Nora and throw <laughs> pig blood down there? Why was it off screen? <laughs> Show us the death. But, uh, okay, now the fourth elephant in the room is... Michael gets an actual running chainsaw to his chest. Yes. But doesn't get cut. Nope. I'm sorry, but uh, chainsaws are sharp. Yes. And this is the Michael from H2O who... Is human. Yes. And and as I think about it now, because it is the H2O Michael, Freddie beating him up makes sense to me because Laurie Strode did beat him up also in H2O. All, all the women beat him up in H2O. <laughs> He's lost every battle since H2O physically. <laughs> That I've seen him in. So, all basically, the method to take out Michael in, the, in these movies is just to fight back. <laughs> if you choose to fight back, you have a good 50 50 chance, maybe a 60 40 chance of taking him out. Right. And if you're scared and just sit there and let him stab you, you're done for. Mm-hmm. If you fight back, he's not that hard to beat up once you fight back. And now, our movie monster for this movie is not intimidating in the slightest because name a lot of people, especially this day and age, who would not fight back. True. Well, I mean, the problem with this ending is just that. It's like, it's not scary because he's chasing Sarah, but every time Sarah's in trouble, Freddy comes to the rescue. Mm-hmm. Like this ending scene where the chainsaw runs out of gas. Yep. It, and the whole thing's on fire, something falls on Sarah, yada, yada. Freddy comes in, they fight again, and then 
Freddy shoves electrical cords right up his ding dong. And Michael does react. He actually makes a noise. Well, I would. Did too. you hear it? He's like, <laughs> you hear like a faint screaming sound, actually. So, so actually, that thing at the beginning we're talking about, Michael might actually make some noise. <laughs> so he gets electrocuted, and for some reason, Freddy picks up this girl like he's a fireman. Yep. Is, is this just so the camera can have a angle of him holding this girl? While yes. Okay. This is a John Woo movie. We need them running out this place with a big explosion in the background. And then like Van Damme, he does like a dive, like a spinning dive. See, I, w- I would be fine with that, but did he really need to pick up the girl in this way and have the a- have her ass literally in the camera shot so close up that's honestly a little uncomfortable? Yes. Okay. I, I think I think this is the point in the movie where I realized that because at the beginning of the movie, one thing I noticed on this watch around was that Buster Rhymes is actually first in the billing. Mm-hmm. He's the first name in the billing. Yes. But I didn't realize he was the main character until just now. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. He is the hero of the movie. Like, it's not oh, even yeah, Sarah. You think, you think Sarah did anything throughout this movie? No, she ran. Oh, she got Rudy killed. But that is that. Um, she really got Jen killed because she was the one who called for Jen. She did. Yes, that's true. Even though Jen was oh, Jen uh, got... in the same room as Michael Myers. Jen had no chance of surviving. She was going to get herself killed no matter what. How was she in the same room as Michael Myers and did not see Michael Myers? His mask is neon fucking white in this movie. I, I don't know. And the, the same reason why all this stuff could happen in a small space with nobody hearing anything, seeing anything, and Michael being able to walk freely throughout the house with no troubles. Fair. Nothing makes sense. Anyway, so now... Michael is transported to the morgue. He's a little extra crispy. For some reason, there looks like there's green coming off of his mask. I don't know if that's a thing because it's because guess, it's, rubber. Because or, this is Halloween 6, <laughs> Curse of Thor, Michael. Or maybe there's something with the mask that from Halloween 3. Uh, Lucky Shamrock got a hold of that mask. Silver Shamrock. Silver Shamrock. <laughs> but Michael's alive and the movie's over. And thank goodness because, you know, I wanted a sequel that follows the adventures of Freddie Harris as he continues to fight Michael. Michael. But unfortunately for that, or fortunately, we'll find out next week, but categories. Best performance. Am I allowed to say nobody? You know the truth is there's a clear best performance in this movie. There's a clear standout, even though you don't want to say it. I also can't go off of what you say because then it's a cop out. It's universally accepted that there's one fun thing in this movie. Rudy? His name rhymes with cluster slime <laughs> you could go rudy also i mean to be fair i thought rudy did a pretty good job actually no uh you, so, could, you, so, know, you could even go with jamie Lee curtis honestly so just to take you off going with donna she's like the worst character in the movie well no jen is definitely worse. Yeah, i was about to say but for real i'm giving it to rudy he, he even though all he talked about was cooking and food he was still the more enjoyable character and actually the best, the more at, best acted out of all the cast we got. Well, he, he's the best human being because he literally sacrificed himself for his friend. I don't care so, about that part. Well, he should have just ran. Well, even that was better characterization than what most people got, even though to his death he was still chef guy. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm just going to come out and say it. Freddie Harris. Busta Rhymes is the best part of this movie and the worst part of this movie. <laughs> and the worst part is just him tapping on Michael's head. But the reason I agree with the test audience when they first saw the movie, you have a bunch of bland characters, bland actors, and you have Buster Rhymes who at least has energy and is charismatic. I understood why to save this this movie, they were like, let's try to just give, let Buster do whatever he wants because he is the comedy of this movie and if you take him out of it, it's probably the worst movie of all time. With them, it's not a good movie, but... I there's some entertainment value with all of Freddy's scenes. I'm just being honest. Okay, well, it's stupid, but it's fun. Worst performance, Jen. Usually, I actually like the people you, you dislike. You like Tina? I did. How do you I not like do. Jen? I don't like Jen because she's she just is, Tina. She's annoying. She's just Tina. No, she ain't. She's a blonde Tina. No, she ain't. Tina was a little better character than <laughs> definitely better character than Jen. All Jen cared about was getting famous. Uh, the only thing she, uh, she literally coerced her friend into doing this. She screams and is not, and is very annoying. And not only that, but she stayed in the same room the entire damn movie playing with her hair in a mirror, in a dead girl's mirror using a dead girl's comb. 
Yeah, and and I'm gonna agree, but and again, it's no folks to understand it also. When we do these best performance, worst performances, a lot of times we're just talking about the character. This is no knock on the actress who is fine. Just the character is written in a very annoying way. So we have to hold that against her. Really talking more about the character in this case, that Jen probably you could eliminate her from this movie and probably be improved, unfortunately. So I'm gonna go with Jen also. With a runner up to Jamie Lee Curtis. No, I mean, not 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 because I don't like her performance. She's always good in every movie. But because they made her stupid. I just didn't like what they did with her character. Best scene. Uh, I I it's, like it's the opening. Is you think it's opening? I still think it's the opening, just because it's probably the best representation of what this movie should have been. I don't understand why the opening feels so different from the rest of the movie. It really feels like, first of all, the opening has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. So right. it doesn't lead to anything. It's just like a random side thing. But it feels like two different movies. This like, feels they're like, not connected. This does feel more like a Halloween. The opening feels more like a Halloween movie, minus the stupid decision Jamie Lee Curtis did. The rest feels like a CW TV show. And we're not talking about Supernatural either. Um, which would which would make it lose half a star if he were so. That's just because uh, <laughs> you still have yet to see it, sir. I, I do like uh, again. I like a, uh, and maybe you'll agree now that you've seen the extended Rudy death scene with the three knives. I do like his death scene because it's kind of fun just to see. Well, no, but I mean him, him not running in the open space behind him. Sure, Clear way out just annoys me. So I'm gonna go with the opening. Also, the opening at least has some suspense. The rest of the movie doesn't even try to be scary. So. Mm-mm. All right, worst scene. The worst scene for me here. Let me go. I'll go first, okay. and that may help you to think about it. I mean, I already know what I'm gonna say, honestly. The worst scene for me is probably maybe the camera guy getting killed. Mm. I thought I just. I was expecting you to say the finger poking. Oh, oh, oh! Sorry, I'm losing my mind. The worst scene by far. <laughs> is the finger poking of Michael's head. Um, Freddie lambasting Michael, tearing him down to his face, tapping on his head, and Michael being like, eh, okay, and walking away. That was character assassination and probably the worst moment in the franchise until Corey and Halloween ends. Yeah, well, worst scene for me, it's actually Jen's death because it makes no fucking sense. The decapitation by knife. Yes, and not only that part, but the fact that she came out the same room that Michael Myers was hiding in. Yes. The fact that they all thought it was still Freddy, even though they just saw him go through the kitchen. I, I, I wish there's the, only one way upstairs, as we just mentioned. Right. The movie should establish like a separate staircase, and then you could imagine that like Michael and Freddy going up and down the stairs and different staircases. But the fact that this is a small house with one one way up and one way down. Right. You can't just teleport to the top of the, the house. All right. So, what would you like to change for me? It's actually going to be. It's actually going to be. They need to add certain uh, different scenes in different in a certain part because the time the timing of this movie feels extremely weird. Like the very first scene with the security guards. Yes. Add another scene in between to make it feel like there's actually a passage of time instead of just here. Let me get you to your room. Hey, I thought you took Harold to his room. Yeah, it, it there's no passage of time. It's it feels Jamal, weird. Come like, like bad editing, bad. Yeah, editing. that's what I would change is the editing. It may make the movie feel a little bit better, and you'd also see more of Michael's movements. It wouldn't feel so teleporty. This might be controversial, but especially we just said that the, even though we said our favorite scenes was the opening, I would have taken out the whole Jamie Lee Curtis opening. The reason I said is because. You're taking like basically like 15, 20 minutes also from the movie that could have been used to develop the characters and the actual story a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Those characters could have used that extra 15, 20 minutes for character development. I think you could easily do the storyline without needing Jamie Lee Curtis's character here. Yeah, Michael's at his house. Maybe later on he can revisit Jamie Lee Curtis and all that, but let's just have her and her son. They've disappeared. Nobody can find them. They've went his protection program. They're just gone somewhere. Michael's at his house. Just open up with the whole, just open up following Sarah. And then just go from there. Because when you peak that early in the movie, the beginning of the movie with Jamie Curse, and then she's gone, you already know that for the audience, it's all downhill pretty much. Yep. So you set the movie up for failure mm-hmm. by peaking so early. Yes. 
So Jamie Lee Curtis, remove her, bring her back for a future sequel, blah, blah, blah. Final thoughts. Well. I'll let you go first. I feel like you have more to say. Not really. I think that, I'll be honest, I watched the movie with very low expectations, knowing how bad the reputation is. I was actively trying to be optimistic and actively searching for positives. So for me, I wasn't just in the mode of like, this is terrible, this is terrible, terrible. Of course, there are a lot of things that were terrible. But we already know that. So I was trying to bring something new. And I'll say this, as bad as the movie is, there's definitely some entertaining stuff. It's watchable for sure. Between this and Halloween 5, I gotta say I like this more than Halloween 5. Not a lot more. I mean, they're both terrible, but if I had to rewatch one of them, I think I'd rewatch this over Halloween 5, honestly. So, that said, we've talked about all the problems of the movie, so there's really no reason to rehashing that. I'm gonna go one and a half, because I think, for me, Halloween 5 is a one, and I do like this slightly better. I think one and a half pretty much sums up my feelings towards it, so I'm gonna go there. Alright, for me, characters were shit, Michael was shit, Buster Rhymes was shit, the music was shit. The setting was fine. Was there I, well, anything I didn't I, say that wasn't shit? Actually, I don't mean a I don't mean an A in your dissing of it, but the setting was not fine. That house was way too small for the amount of activity that happened in it. Yeah, but the atmosphere of it, the atmosphere I, of it I was slightly decent. I don't think it felt like a Halloween movie though. Yeah, there was no. Oh, that's true too. <laughs> this movie feels like a. Did, did this feel? Do you like kind of like one of those movies where like it feels like um like a separate script they had for a different movie. Yeah. And they just threw Michael into it. Cause that, this could have been any movie mm-hmm. and doesn't have to be like in the Michael lore. Also, I do feel like they also should have spent a little bit more time in Haddonfield itself. You know, again, if we took out the 15 minute opening, put in that these characters have to go through the town before nightfall to get a little bit more actual lore on Michael that they may not know. Almost everything about this movie was shit. And so I think the only fun aspect of it was one that I still said was shit, and that was Busta Rhymes' energy. (laughs) So overall, this movie, the only reason I can say it's even somewhat near better than the fifth movie is because there's more kills, even though all those kills happen in succession at the very last 30 minutes. So overall, I'm going to give this movie a one. I think you gave part five like a 0.5 or something. So Either a 0.5 or a 1. Well, listen, I would love to say that we're about to head to a, into a high point of the series, but I'm I'm scared because up next is Rob Zombie's vision of Halloween. And, and Rob Zombie think... has a certain directing style where you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. As usual, everybody, you don't have to go home. You do have to get out of here and avoid this movie. Just watch 1, 2, and H2O and be happy. More important than that, before you watch those movies, please leave us some feedback, some comments, subscribe to our channel, and we'll keep uh, throwing in some episodes. Next week, we'll have Halloween. It's just called Halloween. I yep. guess you could call it Rob Zombie's Halloween, but this will start the disturbing trend of calling every movie Halloween. Yes. And if you do make a movie, don't call it Halloween. We have enough of those. Yeah, we do. <laughs>